Welcome to the Life with Five podcast, where we get real about marriage and parenting. Our heart is to help you discover hope and healing by infusing faith into your family. Here are your hosts, Ray and Carol Hintz. Welcome. We are so glad to have you join us today. We're going to be discussing something that the two of us have talked about many times over the years, raising children with different personalities. And this is going to be part one of a two-part series that we're calling Learning to Speak Your Child's Language. And this is going to wrap up season one of the Life with Five podcast. Oh my goodness. I know, 20 episodes in. That's super exciting. But we have five kids, as we've talked about before, and they're all very different. And that presents some unique challenges as well as some opportunities. And of course, when we get married, uh, that usually means that you have to try to navigate living with someone else, sharing your space. Maybe they see the world a lot differently than you do. That's certainly the case with our marriage. And then you carry that unique dynamic into raising a child. And at certain points, it's felt like so so many personalities and so many different languages in one place. And it can be hard to sort through all of that. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of people in our home. So I think the word there that Carol really said that we want to focus in on, though, is the word language, which we'll talk about throughout the course of this episode. But I know for me, I grew up in a home where like language... Um, it was rather expressive. So we, there was yelling and fighting and all the craziness, you know, that sometimes comes in that environment. And that's all I ever knew. So that's kind of, I, th I thought that's how you communicate, right? And so you pick up some bad habits along the way, but I was, I was just used to that. Then I go ahead and meet this relatively soft-spoken woman, very soft-spoken woman. And I am like a bulldozer in a China shop, right? I just want to go into every confrontation. And she's like setting up the orange cones to detour around it because we're not going through there. No matter what it takes, we're going to get around this, right? However, uh, I think this led to some problems for us, but it really wasn't until we had kids. When we had our first son that I saw some of the bad habits that I had in communication and not really recognizing the dynamics of personalities really come out and at play. And how many of you had kids out there and like you see yourself in your kid and you're like, <laughs> they're so annoying. Yeah, and then you have to like text your parents and apologize. <sighs> it's just the worst, honestly. <laughs> but I remember uh, one of my kids at one point in time, I was yelling at them for something. I don't even remember what it was, but they, they said, dad, when you yell at me, you look scary. And it just kind of shook me. I mean, I don't know how that doesn't shake you as a parent. And I never really thought about how they perceive me. I just thought about, hey, we need to get this done or this needs to happen or you need to be doing this. And so I'm just going to yell. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Not really thinking about how they perceive me. Yeah. And like we said, we have five kids, so it can be a challenge to raise all of these different personalities. At times we've done well, at other times <laughs> we've not done so well. And uh, we want to share a few things that we have learned along the way and that we're still working on today. And the first is that we have to care enough to identify our kids' language. Good. Every child is unique. And as a parent, God has entrusted them to us. And we often worry about you know what lessons we're trying to teach them 
or what message is coming across to them. But the key to truly communicating with our kids is to identify the language that they speak. And listen, Ray and I are extremely different. (laughs) You might've picked up on that by now. Uh, But when we first started dating and eventually got married, there was a big learning curve. He spoke in ways that I didn't understand and he did things in ways that I just did not get. She still doesn't understand. Yeah, I would have certainly done them differently, but we're different and our kids are different too. Yeah, so when it comes to kids, they don't often know how to convey what they're feeling, especially when they're younger. They don't yeah. they're not able to use words, right? So we as parents have to watch them, we have to listen closely, really pay attention to see the language that they're trying to speak. For example, a young child may cry, they may throw a fit, a temper tantrum, and we can get really upset. We get really frustrated. Why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Do you think a one-year-old cares that they're making sense in that moment. No, what are they trying to do? They're trying to convey that they're upset by something. They're trying to get your attention and they just don't know how to properly express that in a healthy manner. So what we want to talk or take you through is the kind of the book, The Five Love Languages. We're not going to get into the entirety of the book, of course, but Dr. Mm -hmm. Gary Chapman really lays out five different ways that all of us give and receive love. And we'll talk briefly about them. And then kind of as we go throughout the podcast, we'll dive deeper into each one. But the first love language is words of affirmation. Yeah, and we've spoken pretty extensively about the power of words in previous episodes. And for some people, words mean a lot more than they do to others. And if words are not your love language, it's really important to identify whether or not you have kids that do speak Mm. the language of words of affirmation. While words are kind of in the middle of the pack for me personally, we have a couple of kids who that is their love language and words are really important to them. And that's why we say that it's so important to identify our kids' love language because we can't just assume that they feel loved in the same way that we would feel loved. Otherwise, we might miss out on opportunities to show them our love and to encourage them and build them up. Yeah, so good. And words of affirmation for me too is in the middle of the pack. So, mm-hmm. uh, but if you're not sure whether or not you, you have a child whose love language is words of affirmation, think about how they react uh, when either you encourage them or maybe you correct them. Are they like hanging their head? Are they really discouraged and walked away when you correct them? You know, does that make a, a huge impact? Or are they just kind of like, yeah, whatever, this is mom and dad, right? Yeah. Or maybe when you encourage them, does a huge smile flash upon their face? So they kind of puff their chest up, lift their head up a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like, is that happening or are they just kind of like, yeah, thanks for the, you know, kudos. That's great. And so that can kind of give you an idea. Maybe even watch them the next time you see them today. Just use some words of encouragement, words of affirmation. Tell and look at their countenance. Does it change? Does it make an impact in their body language or Mm -hmm. do they seem relatively unaffected? Yeah. And no matter what, whether your kid's primary love language is words of affirmation or not, we really urge you to use words of encouragement Mm. with your kids because there's a lot of voices in this world that are going to discourage and bring division. And our prayer is really that God would use us to speak words of life into our kids, into our family, and into the people around us. Yeah. When we talked about our family vision frame, we talked about that idea of Mm -hmm. speaking life. That's one of the values that we have. But the next love language we want to talk about, moving on from words of affirmation, is 
Quality time. All right. This is Carol's love language. All right. This is her jam right here. So I'm still <laughs> learning to understand it better after, you know, almost 25 years together. Uh, it also happens, though, by the way, to be our kids, probably most prevalent love language amongst all of them. Um, quality time for me is pretty low. If I'm just being honest. It's four out of five uh, on the list. And it's not really that close to one, two or three. Um, so I something I've had to work on. Quality time might mean for me. Putting away my phone, <laughs> setting aside my laptop, babe, and giving her my attention, right? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar for our kids, though. How many times have you had kids come over and they want to tell you a story? Come on now. Can we just be real uh, as parents? They have the longest stories in the history of the world. Go, like sometimes we go a whole car ride home from school and it's just one story. Yeah. It's really insane. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're busy. Your mind is thinking about different things. Maybe you're cooking dinner. You're scrolling on your phone. I don't know, watching TV or, you know, you're trying to answer an email and they come over and they want to tell you this story. They want your attention and you're nodding your head and you're like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But you're not really engaged. Yeah. And here's the thing. If your child's love language is quality time, they're going to pick up on that. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon, you know what's going to happen is they're going to feel like they're not loved. And that's really crazy to think about because we think that we got all these things to do and they're sitting here feeling like, I have to fight for your attention, mom. I have to fight for your attention, dad. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, quality time is about slowing down and simply being present. If you tend to live with one foot in the future, as I tend to do, <laughs> learning this love language will help you to enjoy the moments you have right now even more. That's so good. Another one of the love languages is physical touch. Now, physical touch happens to be both Ray's and my Thank secondary love language, but <laughs> it does mean very different things to both of us. In marriage, physical touch tends to lean more toward sexual touching for men, especially, not always, but usually for men. And women tend to lean more towards intimacy and connection and closeness, like holding hands or cuddling. I like those things too. I just like when they lead to other things. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> However, when it comes to our kids, physical touch can be really important as well. It can break down the cultural barriers that we sometimes set up. And for years, it was taught that a strong man doesn't display emotion or show mm. his affection. But we just don't see that as a biblical example. In fact, strength is often displayed through emotion and through physical touch. And in the Bible, we see the story of David and Jonathan who embraced and wept together. And it's really one of the most beautiful displays of friendship and even brotherhood in the Bible. Um, an appropriate physical touch can bring a closeness that your child really needs. Yes. We have several kids who love to give hugs or snuggle up next to us. Do you love every moment when they do that to you? Most moments, but if I'm being honest, there's a lot of them and somebody is always touching me. So while I really do appreciate physical touch, oh. sometimes it's just too much and I need a little space. But <laughs> but when our kids do snuggle up to us, we want to make sure that they feel loved and seen and noticed that they feel safe with us. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the next one we're going to talk about is acts of service. And this is actually my primary love language. If I had it my way, uh, I would do everything with care. <laughs> Like we would just go out every single day. Now she does need her own time and her own space. So I, 
I try hard to give that to her. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't always do great, but I feel loved <laughs> when she does things with me and we do something to accomplish a purpose together. Even if it's just like going to Home Depot or Costco and she doesn't need to go. I just like her to be there with me. I enjoy yes. hanging out with her. She could easily <laughs> stay home, but she chooses to go with me because she knows that's how I feel loved. Yeah. Now we have one child particularly who shows love in this way. I'm not sure if it's her primary love language that she feels, but she certainly shows it in this way. Mm -hmm. She is such a servant and such a helper. Yeah, she is a lot like her daddy. And Ray loves to do things for people as well. And so does she. Um, but he's always asking me if I need something. Every time he gets up, he's like, can I bring you something? He makes me food which is very poorly. Okay. Well, usually he's heating up what I've made, so it's not too bad. <laughs> and he also like picks up the stuff that I leave out, which is not good for my own habits of just <laughs> leaving a trail of things hey, behind me. But you do a lot of things. <laughs> but people who have acts of service as a love language, they love to do things for others, but they also love doing things together, like Ray mentioned. And often it's to accomplish a purpose. Yeah. And though not always the case, a lot of times when kids who are really passionate about team sports, it's because they feel loved um, by acts of service and they can work together as a team to accomplish a common goal. So if you're trying to figure out whether or not you have a child who feels loved through acts of service, or maybe it's quality time, it can be hard to distinguish between the two. But the key differentiator here is whether or not they enjoy simply being with you or whether they want to work together toward a common goal. Yeah. And I would say too, like our daughter, she will ask a lot of times, like, can I do this? Like she's the, that goal oriented mm -hmm. type of th thinking there. So yeah. the final love language though, that we want to talk about today is gifts. Now, full disclosure, you can take a test. I think it's in the five love language book. It it's is, been a yeah. while, um, but it scores you from zero to 40. I remember that part. And I remember I scored, I don't know, a 38 on acts of service, <laughs> like a 36 on physical touch. And then it got a little lower, but I actually scored a zero on gifts. I didn't even know that was possible. Zero. A zero. Like I take these tests and I'm always on the extreme. Like the other day we're doing a marriage group and I was like a hundred percent of one thing. And I was like, is anybody else here a hundred percent and not one <laughs> single solitary? I'm such a freak sometimes. I just, <laughs> I've got issues people. Right. Oh, um, but I used to think, here's my problem with gifts. I used to think that when people would give somebody a gift, they were doing it to like buy their affection or to get their attention. Like, well, I'm not going to display love in another way, so I'm going to buy you this gift. And I just always used to think that that was like a really negative thing. And here was the problem. My dad would buy me stuff all the time. He'd buy me gifts. And so I'd be sitting here kind of resenting what he was doing, kind of mad at him that he was trying to do this and even kind of being a little bit of a jerk to him mm -hmm. until I had this like aha moment like, Oh, his love language is gifts. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've been such a jerk. I feel so awful mm. because here I am making him feel bad about something he's trying to do to actually make me feel loved because that's how he feels loved. So he's trying to express that back. And I just didn't realize that. Now, I don't think he picked up on the fact that my love language wasn't gifts, but <laughs> no. I also didn't realize and appreciate what he was really trying to do. Right. Now, gifts may be one of the easier love languages to pick up on, at least if you're not me and you don't score <laughs> a zero on it, right? Because it is a little bit more tangible, but 
If you're wondering, do you have a kid who their love language is gifts? Maybe ask yourself when presents are being opened at Christmas, how do they react? Like, I mean, I think a lot of kids get excited, but like what level of excitement do they have? Do your kids love to give gifts? Do they constantly make you crafts? I'm not talking about the stuff they got at church and that every parent gets. I'm talking about like, did they sit down and make a little craft with you? Or do they seem extra appreciative of small things like getting a toy out of those machines? Do they even have those anymore where you twist the little thing? Like you go to Walmart? I mean, do you put in a credit card now? I don't even know how those work. But (laughs) if so, those may be indicators that their love language is gifts and you want to pay attention to it. Yeah. So when it comes to the five love languages, it's important to remember that while we tend to give love in the same language that we receive it, that's not always the case. And we also want to caution you not to pigeonhole your child, Mm. especially when they're young. Uh, You may have an idea of what their primary love language is, um, but a simple conversation with them, especially as they get older, will help you to best identify what matters most to them. Like most of our kids were super snuggly when they were little. (laughs) And... A couple of them, as they've gotten older, have gotten progressively less so. Yeah, that's a, but I'll tell you what, one of them's running track and I do not want him anywhere around me after no. he runs. It's so disgusting. Like, what happens? I was a teenage boy once. Did I smell like that? I think I did, yes. but I just didn't realize it. <laughs> anyway, but I would also encourage you, just have a conversation with your kids. The other day mm-hmm. we were driving to church and I just asked them, like, what do you think your love language is? And I kind of rephrased the love languages and gave them some examples so they could better understand. Um, but they, it was interesting because... Our kids will very rarely, all five of them, engage in a conversation, but they were all five like kind of really thinking and they wanted to give their feedback. They wanted to be heard. And that is not always the case. But I'm telling you, people want to be loved. Kids want to be loved. And if you will give them the opportunity to share that, you'll be pretty surprised. And I'll be honest with you, they gave answers that I was like, huh, I didn't really think that. So made me think a little bit more about what maybe how I could love them. That's awesome. Well, there you have it, the five love languages from Dr. Gary Chapman's book. And we're going to get into next time some more details. We'll dig into that a little bit deeper for our final episode of this season. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, we would love to hear from you. Jump over to Instagram and hit us up on Live with Five Podcasts. Join the conversation. Let us know uh, what you think your love language is, your spouse, your kids. We would love to hear about it. But thanks again for listening. Make sure to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, how we can improve. We really appreciate that so we can get the word out to more families and we will see you again next time.